Kelly. Oh, good morning. Good morning, man. So if I start off with a joke this morning, is that okay? Yeah. All right, a mom with two young sons. We're going to have a special Saturday morning breakfast for her, for her two sons. And she's going to make them their favorite, chocolate chip pancakes. So she's over at the stove, and they're sitting at the table, and she's making the pancakes. And the two boys are just cutting into each other. They're, they're arguing about who got the first pancake. They're fighting about it, moving stuff around, you know, like little boys will do. Some older boys, too. But anyway, uh, and so mom's getting a little frustrated, annoyed at him. She says, listen, guys, what would Jesus say? What would he do? I think he would tell your brother, go ahead and have you have the first pancake. Mm -hmm. So one of the sons thought for a moment and said, Mom, my brother wants to be Jesus. <laughs> All right. This lesson today is called Devotion for a Lifetime. Devotion for Eternity. Got a couple um, slides here for you. I think uh, somebody's... Oh, um, let's see. Let's keep going here a little bit. And there should be a couple before this. Yes. Uh, love is an invisible bond that combines two souls together forever and ever. And there's, I think there's one more. We've all seen this uh, carved into a tree, a tattoo, maybe something, on a, on a love letter, T-L-A, true love always. Yeah. This idea of <laughs> devotion for a lifetime, devotion for eternity. You and I were made for devotion. The two greatest commands from our God Love him back with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love others as Jesus would. Mm -hmm. He embedded deep within our DNA this desire to be devoted and to love for a lifetime. That's the way it's supposed to be. We dream of it. We dream of those type of relationships, don't we? We want those. Problem is, uh, even though God's put that into us and his image, the sinful nature that we live many times destroys the relationships that we want to have that kind of bond with. And there is a, a spiritual conspiracy out there. I'm not a conspiracist type guy. I, the government and the black helicopters and who JFK, I, I, I don't go for all that. But you go to a spiritual point of view, something is trying to mess with what we love. It's trying to pull us into to love ourselves and, and love doing things that tickle our fancy. Instead of loving God back and loving others the way we're supposed to for a lifetime and all eternity. If you would, look at me over in Daniel chapter 3. We're going to look at an example of this lifetime devotion. All right, Kelly. Come on, Kelly. Come on, Kelly. Come on, Kelly. Come on, Kelly. We're getting there. We're going. You know, uh, this is one where you know, I'm going to be tempted to speed up when I speak and raise my voice a little bit. But if, if I do that, I know sometimes uh, my octaves, you know, get, you know I, I speak higher and, and I get to talking so fast that you might not hear all the words enunciated. So if, if you feel like I'm doing that, just sort of raise your hand and wave at me a little bit. Do, do that cup thing that some people do in parades or something. You know, so I'll get the message. We start off in chapter 3 of Daniel. And... Uh, <coughs> In verse 7 it says, Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, rock and roll, gangster rap, all the prophecies, nations, and men of every language are to fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Of course, it looked like himself. This is a 90-foot statue he erected. Probably in, in several different locations, maybe smaller ones in other minor cities and and, and whenever you heard this music, 
You're supposed to fall down and worship this golden image. Now, you've got to understand a little bit of background here. It helps me if I could explain this to you just a moment. Maybe we could go back to the map, a couple ones, uh, whoever's doing the little clicker there. Um, yes. So you see over Jordan, Israel, that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who we're going to be talking about in just a minute, that's where they're from. And that names I just said, that's their Babylonian names, after gods and deities of Babylon. And so they're, they grew up over here in Israel. They're taken captive when the Babylonians, that empire kind of in, in orange, conquered them and took them over to their capital in Susa with the large parallel walls you walked through when you got, before you even got up to the city gate, depicting all the victories of, of the Babylonians. And you were just impressed, overwhelmed, and knew you were a subject of, of, of a new land, a new people. So as these <coughs> young men, boys, because what would happen is when they conquered Israel and sacked Jerusalem, yes, people were put to the sword and killed. Perhaps their parents, perhaps mentors they had known. They would take many people back to serve in their, their, this kingdom of theirs. And they would take a number of boys and girls of the age 12 and 13 to bring them back, to train them, teach them, brainwash them to be great Babylonians and serve in the king's court in Susa and all over the land. And they would learn, learn new language. They'd only pick the best, mind you. And I don't know how, who picked them out, who, who decided who was the cream of the crop, but somebody of the Babylonians, would, would, after the conquered lands, they would take, they've done this in many places. They knew who they were looking for. They'd taken these young boys and girls. They'd take them out and train them, teach them back in, in, in Susa and other places and indoctrinate them with their religion, their life, their language, no parents, no family, no homeland, a new place at this very young age. The guys I'm going to read about here, just a second, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were three of those, and their buddy Daniel was the fourth. And a lot of other people, were, were young men and women were taken this way. For the young men, some say they were probably... Um, they're probably castrated. They probably served as eunuchs. Very likely, but we just don't know for sure. Your, your life is snatched out of everything you know as a young man, young boy or a girl. And you're forced to go to this foreign land. And you're taught a new religion, this polythesis of, 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 of many different gods. And you're called to serve and to learn and to adopt and to embrace all that you've been taught. But there were a number of the Jews that went. They decided, as we go, we have no say in this. We're going to keep our Jewish names as well, even though we're given Babylonian names. We're going to secretly write down all our family heritage to remember it. And we're going to write down what we believe as Jews so that we will remember this and be faithful to this. And so there's this sort of this underground you know, group of, of that group that's taken over who are going to stand devoted to God regardless. I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel saw a number of their contemporaries, kids their age, give in. Hey, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. We're here. God let us be conquered. We're, we're, we're in this new land. We just, we just better, got to learn to survive. Got to take care of number one here. It would be very easy to get to that place, wouldn't it? It would be very easy to do that. And that's a common thing. And some of us sitting here now, I've, I've left home and I've come to college. Wow. What will I believe now? What will I do? 
who will I associate with? And what price will I pay so I can associate with them and stay with them and be with them? Hmm. Let's read the story a little bit more. In verse 16 of chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. And before, he really loved the work of these guys. And they, he and Dan, these three and Daniel did, did amazing things. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. You got this furnace going. And they could smell gold when they made the image out of gold. So that, that's a little over 1,000 degrees centigrade, 1,900 Fahrenheit. Seven times that. That's like the outer surface of the sun or something. This, this is hot. Now, they didn't have a way to measure that, so how do they know seven times? Well, it's the idea that seven times, the, the, the number seven being fulfillment, all you can do, you know, the, the most, the maximum. And they stoked this thing as hot as they could get it. And you see just a moment when they opened the furnace door to throw them in, there was so much... Latent fuel still, it just whoosh out the furnace door, lapping up the oxygen everywhere. And anybody in its, its, it's way was going to be consumed. Right. It's exactly what happened here in verse 21. So these men, wearing their robes and trousers and turbans and other clothes, were bound and thrown in the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, the furnace so hot, that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Wow. And then as that rush of, of heat and flame out towards the oxygen died back, you see that they could see what was going on inside. Verse 24. The king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his, his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see a fourth man walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Wow. I mean, from his perspective and understanding, he had no way to describe who that fourth figure was. Son of the gods or something. I mean, you got a king who is leading the superpower of the age, is, has many strong, intelligent, capable people around him, and he sees this fourth figure and says, who, what, what is that? Some of, the, some of the gods, look at that. It's just opposing figures in the flame inside this furnace with the other three. It's a pretty big furnace that the four of them are walking around. It goes on in verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the, the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I have a 4th of July cookout, and I smell like fire, and the hairs on my wrist get singed. These guys are inside this furnace. You go camping, and you're around the campfire. You go home, and everything smells like smoke. Right. Yeah. These guys smell none of that. 
No singed hairs, nothing. Obviously, everybody's a little bit in awe. What is that? In verse 28, then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent this angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be cut into pieces and their houses to be turned. He's got a little way to go in his Christian idea, but you know, he's getting there. He's moving in the right direction. For no other God can save in this way. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This ungodly king remarks that these men had trusted God even the point of defying me and giving up their life. Yeah, I got to wonder in our lives, the people that are around you, do they see your trust in God? Is that notable to them? These guys' trusts were notable, not only the king, but everybody standing around there. These men trusted God to the point of losing their life. You know, this kind of trust this kind of love of God, this kind of devotion for a lifetime is going to be evident to all. In the relationships I have in life that are these devoted, lifelong relationships, like with my wife of 30 years now, it's obvious we're married. We have this relationship of oneness. When we have that kind of relationship with God, other people see it. If that trust level is in your life, others will notice and take note. Whether they say anything to you or not ever in life, they will know this person's making decisions because they trust God. Even though it may not be a decision I made because they're not taking care of themselves. They're, they're making decisions that could hurt their, their position here at this company or this or that. They, they go off to church all the time. They should be out studying the lab all the time. I can't believe you're doing that. People notice my trust, my devotion to the Lord. <coughs> You know, there's, uh, with life, things go up and down. Sometimes things are good, and sometimes things don't feel very good. Sometimes we get almost to the point of depression about things that happen in our lives. Things are said to us, hurts that we have, grief that we share. We're tempted to do things we don't want to do. But we have to learn to be devoted to God, not only the good times, but the challenging times as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, our lives are aligned every single day about the decisions we make and we could do some things that could really hurt our lives mm-hmm. if we aren't careful about where does my devotion really lie when things get tough we can start to compromise our devotion I feel it you feel it we have to stay faithful to our <coughs> I've shared about how last May was, was my, dare I say, month from hell. And it's put me into a different place of life that I don't like this phase of life. People I love and know are dying. A lot. And that May, my mom passed away. Our family dog of almost 15 years passed away. And my daughter told me while we were there at my mom's funeral that she was going to live an alternative life. That was hard. That was a hard month. And subsequently, it's been hard thinking about those things. 
but my devotion is to God. Amen. That same year, I'm hearing stories about a lot of mentors have died. My, my ministry mentor from way back in college days had passed away. My swim coach, I learned, had passed away. My research professor in chemistry had passed away. And I remember talking to uh, a friend of mine up in, in, in Portland, Steve, Steve Johnson. Said, I told him, Steve, I just don't like this phase of life. I knew it was coming. We all know if we, if we, if we continue to live, the older we get, the more people we know, especially people older, they're going to die. I, I don't want to have to feel that. You, you ever feel that situation in your life? Because I don't want to have to feel this right now. Yeah. Yes. Yep. You ever been there? Oh, yes. How can I push this off? Let's go. And we end up making bad decisions how we push those feelings off. Mm-hmm. And we go back to some comfort sins of our past or even try new ones. You know, for a lot of men, you know, it's going to pornography. There's alcohol. There's drugs. There's pot. I mean, you go, the list just seems endless. Let, let me watch 24 hours of Netflix. I won't take any calls. I'll turn my phone off. I'll just turn the TV off for 24 hours. I'll eat and drink some of the couch and just cry and sulk and, and be here. And, and, and after 24 hours, we feel even worse. Like, why did I do that? <laughs> right. We just want to push these things off. And we do things to our body that we know we don't want to do, but we do anyway. Mm-hmm. We, we call ourselves names inside of our head. Bad names. Like I could talk to somebody. You blankly blank idiot. You never get anything right. You always make stupid stuff up and decisions, and I know you're going to mess this up too. We say these things to ourselves. Yeah. We eat a lot of food we know we shouldn't be eating. We take sharp objects and somehow wanting to release the pain. Hope I'm being real enough today. After being in the ministry for 35 years, you know, kind of what Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. It's been going on for centuries and millennia. Same kind of stuff. I understand. But I have to learn to be the man who goes to God and does not leave my devotion because times are not what I want them to be. Because I don't want to have to go through certain feelings. I don't want to lose that devotion to my God. Amen. Because I have certain feelings. Is that an excuse to, to lose my devotion to my wife? Well, honey, you know, my, my mom died, our dog died, and you know what our daughter said? And you know what? I'm just going to go mess around with that girl named Jill at, that, at work now, you know, because I just, just had it. It's okay. You understand, right? I, I'm just pushing off some feelings right now. I, I'm blowing off some steam. You know, I'm just, just going to you know, be with her some. Is that, that's understandable, right? To give up on my devotion to you for, you know, a weekend or two just because of what's been going on. It's not acceptable, is it? Yet, with God, somehow we get around to thinking that it is. Because I'm going through some very difficult times. These young men, many believe that because they were probably taken at that age of 12 and 13, were somewhere between 18 and 20. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I had to go through something like that at 12 and 13, 
and then a situation like this came up. You're before the king of the superpower, <laughs> and you're 18 and 20, and so far he likes you, and you're going to have all these opportunities, and you say, well, well I can, can I just fake it a little bit? Okay, play the music. There's the music. Guys, the music. Okay, <laughs> okay let's get back to this. Uh, we're done. No one's going to bother us now. Wouldn't that be a tempting thing to do? Yes. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yes. Yep. Just kind of even feel like, well, I'm faking it. It doesn't matter. I'm just doing right. it so I won't get in trouble and be killed. Surely God's going to understand. That would be an easy thing to think, would it not? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think so. Mm -hmm. I think I'd be tempted to walk and just, you know, be done. That's not what they did. And you see the blessings of God in their lives because they had held their devotion to him. I wanted to take a, a few moments to talk about something that I think is extremely important. It's not only our devotion to God, but our devotion to one another. I love how these three guys together made this thing. Yes, that's right. These three men together made this decision. If you were to, in your mind, quickly survey the relationships that you spend the most time with, where do those relationships lead you? I hope you can say, yeah, they're, they're daily disciples of Jesus. We're in these you know, discipling to Christ relationships. But for me, for the longest time, that was not the case. When three or more of my buddies got together, almost always we'd end up doing something bad. At that age, 18 to 20, three young guys together, almost always it went bad. I need to start being around those that because we're together, it goes good. I want to be around people because we're together, we do good things now. We influence each other in a good way. And even when I'm with the opposite sex, I want that, those interactions to go somewhere good and Christ-like, not where they used to go. If you would look at me over Matthew chapter 28, I want to use the scripture in a little different way than some of us might be uh, thinking I might use the scripture, <laughs> some of the ways we might be used to hearing the scripture used. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, This is after his resurrection, coming back from the dead, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Wouldn't you like to have your boss be someone who runs the universe? <laughs> uh, boss, I got a problem. He goes, that's nah, no problem. I got it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I like this last sentence. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As he leaves them, to be about the business as, as apostles and disciples of Jesus, he reassures them, guys, I'm going to be with you always. There's that devotion again. We learn devotion because we learn it from God. And we learn it from being around his people. We learn devotion. And he's saying, guys, I'm going to be with you always. To the very end. I'm not going to be quitting on this. We're not going to get started and everybody kind of you know, give out. This is going to go for all your life. And I'm going to be with you for all that life and then all eternity after that. This will be forever, guys. I'll be with you always. Amen. 
I want that. that. That motivates me all the more to want to do what came before that, which was go make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them to obey everything I, I commanded. That sounds a little intimidating to teach somebody to obey everything Jesus commanded. <laughs> for, for an 18 year old kid I was when I was baptized in Christ in college, go make disciples, baptize, teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded? You mean about alcohol, pot, sex? They're going to hog die me and for tar and feather me and run me out of the dormitories if I start talking that way. Right? Yep. Anybody that's been around a, a situation like that at work or your family even or living in the dormitories, you know what I'm talking about. I, I lived on an all-guys floor. Our, our way of having fun was, hey, you stand down there, I'll stand here. We're going to take these two rackets and who can hit the ball past each other? That's the point. And bam, bam, people come out the door. Bam, whoa, what's that? And that's just a guy's dorm floor. <laughs> Sunday mornings, go to church. Uh, just the smell of stale beer. Oh, it's like, that, that's a nasty smell. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and walking, I put my shoes on and I smell it. And I was walking through the sticky part of down the hall. Like, okay, I got it. Hopefully this will be cleaned up later by the time I get back from church. I hope. But anyway, uh, I'm talking too much about guys' dormitories. But anyway, uh, you, can, you can figure it out. Uh. But Jesus says, I'll be with you always. It makes me want to try to teach people to obey. It makes me want to teach about baptism. It makes me want to teach about being a disciple of Jesus. He's going to be with me always. He's, he's made this commitment. I'm devoted to you first. I want you to be devoted back. I'm with you always. Yep. I don't want to just play this church game anymore. And put my hour in and go home and, and then do what I do the other you know, days of the week. I want to live this life of devotion. Throw me in the fiery furnace. Call me names. Don't tell me about the parties and the events and the, uh, happening anymore. Fine. You know, make me feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, a social derelict on the floor anymore and left out. Yes, that's okay. I, I, it'll hurt, but it's okay. I'm willing to pay that price. This devotion to one another, there's a, this idea of who, who we're around. And, uh, I, I love the story. It, it choked me up a little bit. I heard there was a, a, a gentleman, an older gentleman. His wife went into a, a restaurant. If I told you the name, you'd, you'd recognize it. But he went in, he had his Vietnam veterans hat on. And he'd been in the military back in the Vietnam War. He has hat on. And, and at another table, there are four young Marines, haircut, Looked, looked the part, super young. They walked over to him and said, we just, sorry to interrupt your, your dinner, sir, but we just want to thank you for your service. Amen. They talked to him for a while. Aww. And they went back to their seat and somebody else wanted to walk over and ask him something else. And they all like, like to talk to him again. And then um, they paid for his and his wife's dinner. Aww. Aww. Amen. And on the, on the way out, they stopped to give him a salute. That's cool. Yes, I want to be around people that are going to inspire me to live this life, not people that are going to drag me away from this life. Right. If that means I've got to date and marry somebody who's also a disciple, even if I've got to wait a while to find her, I'm willing to wait. Amen. 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 Give up on the idea, well, she's hot, but she's not exactly like Jesus, but, but look, look, look at the way she looks. I, my God, I can't walk away from that. <laughs> right? What do you guys think? But Kelly, she's not really, well, she says she's a Christian. Well, you used to say that too. Oh, yeah, I guess I did. And look what I did. Yeah, okay. 
Are you willing to pay the price? Is, is devotion <coughs> that enough to you to pay that price? Or it's like, well, I'm not going to pass on that. Okay, fine. You don't like it. That's just your standard. That's God's standard. Do you want to be devoted? Or you simply want to be devoted to yourself? You get to choose. Oh, yeah, I, I had to wait a little bit longer to find the love of my life, but God connected us. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If you would, look at me over in uh, Proverbs 27. Come on, Kelly. I, you know, I'm just sort of getting warmed up here. Uh, <laughs> these, these next few verses, I know it's going to step on some of our toes, but you know, that's okay. I, I, I get it. Uh, to me, it, the sermon's not really a good sermon until it stepped on our toes at least a little bit. Sure. Chapter 27, and verse 17. I read this scripture recently with some of the single guys I get with. I get to get with two separate groups of... I get to get with, um, usually about on Tuesday nights, with Brad and Nick. Amen. And then another time of the week with uh, uh, Aaron and uh, Alex. Aww. And so we talk a little, you know, Brad and uh, Nick, both of those guys have just been baptized in Christ in the last few months, you know, within a year. And Aaron and, and, and Alex have been a little bit longer. So they're, they're different things we talk about. And so one of the things that we do mention is this scripture in, in chapter 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You talk, think about you know, two, two rebars going against each other or two swords. You think of the, of the nicks, the sparks, the, the conflict, the, the heat generated as, as one man sharpens another. This idea that we're helping each other, discipling one another to Christ. And in other words, we say some things that you might not normally hear out there. And one of the things I ask the guys is I want you to be committed to something. I'm like, well, well, what? I want you to go ahead and commit to the idea that in our, our discipling to Christ relationship, notice I, say, I don't say, say discipling relationship, I say discipling to Christ relationship, because I, I see those can be different. Because um, I want what I discipling people to Christ in to be about becoming Christ, not just some opinion I have. Anyway, discipling to Christ relationship, I ask, can you make a commitment? And Nick's back there, he can verify it. We, we did all the fist bumps to, to when we said, yes, we're committed. And that is, that, uh, that is this, this relationship that we have is that nothing is off limits. That we can talk about anything and ask each other any question. Yep. Yes, any question. Mm -hmm. Well, you're a 58-year-old preacher, married 30 years, three kids, and been doing this for a long time. These just 20-something-year-old guys, they, they're asking anything? Yes. Mm -hmm. And me to them. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this a little while, so I have a lot more questions to ask. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we, we get to, to say, we can talk about anything. Nothing's off limits. Amen. Anything in your life off limits? To a godly man or woman? Anything off limits? No. It says over here as well, in, uh, in Proverbs, just a few chapters earlier, chapter 19, verse 20. This is one of those that, that uh, some folks get a little touchy about. Um, I understand why. It's because sometimes it can... Mm, Brush up against our pride. Yes, our pride. Proverbs 19, verse 20. Proverbs 19, 20 is the first one. It says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you'll be wise. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. 
You know, I can come up with all kinds of opinions. I can have all kinds of fantasies about anything, a lot of things I could do and be and how I could treat people and how I could treat the opposite sex and on and on and on. But God says, make sure you have godly influence that the decisions you're making in life are staying in a true, devoted course to God. I know some of us may have been in church backgrounds where we have felt that this has been abused, where advice is not advice, but it's, it's a command. That's not what I'm talking about here. People ask me, you know, even this relationship, with, like I talked about with Nick and with Brad and Alex and then Aaron, it's like, well, what if you give advice and I don't agree with it? I say, well, then you're going to have to stand before God and answer to any decision you've made in life. Not me. I gave you my advice just like the scripture said. Whether you follow it or not, that's up to you. I'm not going to punish you for it. I'm not going to put you in some kind of strange, weird, emotional doghouse or something because oh, you didn't do it. If you didn't do it, see, I told you so. I don't want to do that kind of stuff. Right. Come on, honey. But I do want to give advice. And I want to take advice. I've got some folks I, I, I listen to a lot in this room. I listen a lot to my wife. You say, that's a good thing, don't you? <laughs> it is a good thing. I, I listen to Rich. Rich Hackett. I listen to Rich a lot. Even his wife, Stephanie, will call me up and give me an earful. I'll go, well, I better listen. You know, especially Stephanie's, I'm, I'm even more than rich. I don't listen to her. <laughs> Dan don't want to tell me things that he sees in the, in the campus and the church. And I, I, want, I want to be somebody that listens. Right. Amen. In the end, I'm going to be held responsible for what I decide. But I at least want to listen to, to any advice I get. Amen. You know, it says in chapter 20, verse 18, it says, Make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. Boy, we're in a spiritual war every single day we live. Yeah, right. If you make plans. All of us are making plans. Well, we're, we, we think about things all day long, don't we? Decisions. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do tonight after my, my last class or when I get out of work? What am I going to have for dinner? On and on and on. Hopefully we're making godly decisions in those times. Um, <laughs> this is not an unknown quantity of life. I got a fortune cookie that I kept. Here, here it is. I think this is the, the fortune cookie I got when we went to Twin Dragons. Uh, uh, Rich and Stephanie took us there one time. We liked their food a lot, so we've gone back in the past. But uh, it said, many receive advice. Only the wise profit from it. Many receive advice, but only the wise profit. That, that's a Chinese proverb, a fortune cookie from Twin Dragons restaurant on River Road in Eugene, Oregon. This is not new teaching about idea taking seeking advice. This is not a new teaching in life. This has gone on for ever since we've existed. But our pride, that sinful nature thing, I didn't, I didn't get into all that this sermon so much, but it keeps us from wanting to be vulnerable. It keeps us from wanting to, to listen to somebody, to seek the godly advice. And because we don't want people to know what's been going on in our life, because we're afraid to let it out, because we're embarrassed by what some of the things are, we talk about scriptures that say confess your sin to one another and pray for each other and be healed. We're like, uh, I don't want to do that. Even though it's a, a, a weight upon our shoulders, something we carry around and it keeps us from being the giver and as happy as we, we could be. We can get it out, confess it, and move on, but I don't want people knowing those things. Well, for one of our group, uh, me and Nick, Brad went to Minnesota to pick up his, his stuff. He has in storage and has a U-Haul trailer. In Texas, I brought, love you. I've been praying for you, praying for a safe trip. I want that kind of relationship. I'm putting it out there. I tell people, if you want this same relationship, let's, let's just do the fist bump and let's commit to it. That's kind of a guy thing with a 20-year-old. But, uh, 
I feel and reserve that right that we can talk about anything in this relationship. Do you, do you want a relationship like that? Do you want somebody who cares enough to ask about those things? That gives you the opportunity to confess sin and get it out and for you too? Do, do you invite that kind of relationship in your life? I hope so. I hope you'll seek that. Ask, seek, knock. You know, the Matthew 7, 7 scripture Jesus gave the famous sermon about. We've got to want those type of relationships and embrace them and make the effort. You just don't find yourself with a company of three guys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and just like, oh, how did I get here? How did, how did these guys get to be my best friend? I don't know. Because you saw the importance of those relationships and you embraced it. That's right. That's right. And I'll change my schedule. And I'll change my life to be with those guys. Now, even give up certain relationships, or at least cut back on their influence, so I can let these guys have more influence. Yep. That gets a touchy place. Well, yeah, how, you're, you're telling me who my friend should be. Well, I would put it to you that yes, if you want to be a daily disciple of Jesus, that's who you're going to have to run with. Yes or you'll never make it. You'll go two or three days and you're done. Hmm. We have the opportunity to help one another. I hope you'll embrace those type of relationships and seek them. And I tell the guys, you don't have to commit to this relationship. The single guys, you don't have to. I can just see in the fellowship, give you a hug, how you doing, quick. But if you want to commit to this type of discipling to Christ, we can. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do that. The question is, are you? And I hope that we all are. I want to close by something a little unique. I have one other slide here. Uh, it's a scripture. Would you be willing to read out loud this scripture with me? This is our devotion to the Lord. It's the two greatest commandments, the, the Mark 12 reference. If you would, anybody know what this is called in the Old Testament, the, the, the Jewish terminology for this, this actual phrase? The Shema, yeah. It's, it's from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Torah, uh, of loving God first, that He is one and we love Him first. So if let's start it out. Let's close this way. The most important one, <laughs> answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The words of Jesus. Let's pray. Amen. God, thank you that we get to come to you. We want to commit to that scripture we just read out loud. To love you back with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love others as you have. I pray, Father, that we'll embrace the relationships around us that also want to do this. You've given us the opportunity to live this way. It's not just theoretical. It's not pie in the sky. It's not some distant religious idea that can't be lived. You've given us people around us that also want to do that, that will embrace one another. Mm -hmm. We'll have our own Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego friends. Thank you so much for loving us, God. Mm -hmm. We want to serve you every day of our lives. We want this loving relationship with you. Mm -hmm. We feel like it's a relationship. Where our prayers feel like we're talking to you. Thank you so much for your love, God. This opportunity to put you first. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.